If you'd been sat in that floodlit room in Dave the Speed Freak's flat, you'd have seen the scars for yourself. Dave the Speed Freak was one of the original old school Mancunian clubbers. You should have seen him. He was thin, he had false teeth in, and he dressed like Starsky in Starsky and Hutch. Do you remember Starsky and Hutch? It was a Saturday night, and I was in my local pub in town. It was just before closing time, and Dave came over. Barry, do you fancy coming back to mine to do some speed? Back then, I was injecting heroin and speed loads of times every day. So this was a no-brainer. I'd never been to Dave's before, but I knew that he lived in Beswick, which is just outside town. So we got in my car, and we drove to Beswick. When we got there, he slapped the dash. Right, stop here, I live just over there. So I stopped and we pulled up in the middle of Fort Beswick. Fort Beswick was a massive concrete streets in the Sky Housing Estate that they built in the 60s. But now it was all derelict. All the windows were boarded over. There was no lights on anywhere. There was graffiti all over the place. I thought, he can't live on there. Come with me, Baz. We got out of the car and I followed him into one of the dark staircases into this big block of flats. It was pitch black. I could hardly see. Where's he taking me? We walked up all these stairs right to the top floor. Then we walked down this walkway past all these front doors to near the end. He stops, gets the key out, puts it in the door and opens it. This is where he lived. Come in, Baz. We walk in, he turns the light on. This was the only light on, on the estate. Dave, why are you the only one living here? They're knocking it all down and I've told them I'm not going anywhere. He takes me into this little room. Wait here, Baz, I won't be him in it. He goes out and comes back in and he got changed. Now he's wearing a cratty suit a white skull cap on the back of his head and orange slippers. He got dressed up for the occasion. We got the speed ready. Come on, let's go in here. He takes me into this other room, his living room. You should have seen it. All he had in it was a little settee and a big executive office chair that was slap bang in the middle of a room with a massive spotlight hanging over it. I sit on the settee and he sits on the chair. He then reaches down to the side of him. He finds that switch and flicks it. And that bright spotlight came on. And it lit up the room. And the rest of Fort Beswick. You should have seen his face. It looked like a floodlit Jack Nicholson in that classic horror film, The Shining. With a skull cap on. Here's Johnny. Woo. He took his speed and I took mine. And that spotlight was so bright, man. I'll never forget looking at my arms and the backs of my hands and seeing all the scars that were there through injecting loads. Some are still there. I see these now, though, as my battle scars. I don't know what happened to Dave or how long he ended up staying on Fort Beswick for. But I do know that going back to that, floodlit room in Dave this big fleet flat reminds me of my battle scars the online dictionary says that a battle scar is a wound suffered from 
battle. Do you know, it's not just me who's got battle scars, is it? Because we've all got them of one kind or another, because we've all been in some sort of battle that's lesser with a scar. Some are visible and some aren't. If you're in the room, raise your hand if you know what I mean. So what can we learn from our battle scars? Battle scars prove that you can stay standing. If you'd have met Jeff, you'd have liked him. Jeff was mixed race. He had really short hair and a neat handlebar moustache. He was a bit of a villain and he worked as a doorman at a nightclub in Moss Side called the Reno. Jeff was 11 years older than me. He'd been on the scene for years, so I knew who he was. Most people did. He was well respected. And I bumped into him quite a few times when I was out and about. So he kind of knew of me, but we didn't really get to know each other until we did a jail sentence together. That's when we became really good friends. We first started getting friendly when we were on remand in Strange Ways Prison. In those days, you got one shower a week. Once, I went down to get my shower and Jeff was there. And he had his towel wrapped around his waist. We got chatting, then I clocked his stomach. There was a massive chunk of it missing. Jeff had broad shoulders and a bit of a pigeon chest. So when he walked, he walked with his chest out in his belly in. I didn't know that this was partly why. You should have seen it. It was full of twisted scars. Jeff, how did you get them? I got on when I was working on the door at the Reno. I got into a battle one night outside with a load of white kids. And one of them smashed a pint pot and rammed it into my stomach and twisted it. And then he said, I could hardly keep myself up. But then this guy stepped in to help me out. So the lads legged it. I was in a right mess, but as bad as it was, I didn't bother going to hospital because I didn't want to get the police involved. So I just stitched it and tied it up the best I could. And it left me like this with all these scars. These were just battle scars. Battle scars that proved he'd stayed standing. See, battle scars prove that you can stay standing. What about you? Are you in some kind of battle right now? And you feel as if you can't keep yourself up. Listen. God can step in to help you out. Same as that guy did with Jeff. You see, Jesus is God with skin on. He died on the cross and then he rose again. And then he went to the place where his followers were. And a guy in the Bible called John tells us that he said to them, look at the scars on my hands. Look at the scars on my side. He showed them his scars, his battle scars. And they didn't need to have a bright spotlight on to see them. They looked and they saw them firsthand. Imagine that. And these battle scars proved to them that he'd stayed standing. Listen. If he can stay standing after that battle on the cross, he can help you stay standing in your battles. Whatever it is you're battling with, he can get you out the other side so that you've got battle scars that prove you've stayed standing. But you need to let God step in to help you out. Going back to that floodlit room, in Dave the Speed Freaks flat, 
reminds me of my battle scars. Battle scars prove you can stay standing and battle scars can stop you going back to the fight. If you'd have been in that prison with me, Glen Oakle, that day, you'd have heard the lad at the back ask the question at the end. Barry, what stops you going back to your old life? Well, quite a few things really, mate. But one of them is my battle scars. Because when I think about how I got these, they stop me going back. See, battle scars can stop you going back to the fight. When I think about my battle scars, just those left inside, I think about that time in our flat in Hume. I've been speeding off my head on amphetamines for months. You should have seen me. I was three stone wet through. And that was with my Beyond Ball Filler tracksuit on. And I sit there for weeks, making house and techno music, using the bits of recording gear that I'd set up, with my head sandwiched between the two massive speakers that I'd made out of kitchen worktops. Non-stop. If you'd have lived in Hume, you'd have heard the bass line coming from my flat, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. <laughs> you can see why I ended up in a mental health hospital. And then... I think about that time when I thought the Iranian guy who lived above us was watching us through the crack where the wall meets the ceiling. That line is spying on me. So I got some wood and I nailed it all around the roof where the wall meets the ceiling. Bang, 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 bang. Bang, 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 bang. Like a skirting board. Can't see me now. And then I think about that time when I got remanded in custody. And I'm saying to all the officers, boss, 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 God's called me. I'm going to be a famous DJ. You can imagine what they were thinking. This guy's a nutter. They put me on the hospital wing. And then I think about that time on the exercise yard in prison. Instead of walking around with the other lads from Manchester, I just sit on the floor. With my legs crossed, my head shaved, completely bald, with my fingers touching, umming, mm, thinking I was Buddha. <laughs> Seriously. Nobody had come near me, do you blame them? Now it was me that looked like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Here's Barry, stay away from him. And these are just some of the times that come to mind, there were others. And it was crazy drug-induced times that left with battle scars inside. Is it any wonder? I'm just grateful that I'm alive and that my mind is functioning normally. Well, my wife might tell you different if she was here. And yeah, I've got battle scars in there, of course, but it's thinking about how I got these that stopped me going back. See, battle scars can stop me going back to the fight. What about your battle scars? Just flick that switch to put that bright spotlight on so you can see yours. How did you get them? Listen, thinking about how you got them, however you got them can stop you going back. See, battle scars can stop you going back to the fight. Maybe you keep going back and your battle scars are like open wounds because you keep licking them. Listen, you need to let God step in to help you out. Isaiah in the Bible said, do not dwell on the past. 
Listen, you don't have to keep going back. Because with God on your case, you can get to that place where your battle scars stop you going back to the fight. This happened with me. And it can with you. But you need to let God step in to help you out. That choice is yours. Going back to that floodlit room. In Dave the Speed Freeze Flat. Reminds me of my battle scars. Battle scars prove you can stay standing. Battle scars can stop you going back to the fight. And battle scars can motivate you to move forward. Jackie's did. She told me if you'd been there, you'd have heard her. Jackie was a skinny, wiry-haired drug addict who was working as a sex worker on the streets. She read my book in prison, and it just so happens there's some of my books on that table there. I've mentioned this before here many times. When, we, when that book came out, I said to my trustees, I want to give a copy to every prisoner. Well, we've sent 50,000 copies of that book out free of charge since 2007. 50,000. For every one copy... Of one snadic you buy, we then send two into prison. So next week, I'm going to be doing a few jails up this neck of the woods during your prisons week. And every time I go, in fact, some prisons have had them in advance, but every time I go, we send a bunch of books in after my visit. And we just want to keep sending those books out, sending those books out. So please buy a book. And some of the bits on the table there, CDs, DVDs, all the proceeds, of course, that comes in through that, goes into the charity that I run, and it helps us. It's earmarked for our prisons work because we don't get a lot of funding. For our prisons stuff. Jackie got attacked one night when she was out working. She said, I got picked up by this Polish guy in a car. And he took me to an house that was about five minutes away. When we got there, we walked in and walked into the living room. And there was two other blokes there. So I sat on the settee and lit a cig. But then they all started talking in Polish. And it made me feel dead uneasy. I thought, sat this, I'm off. So I got up, went to the door to leave, but it was locked. It locked me in. The next minute, the three guys came steaming out. They grabbed hold of me and dragged me back into the room. You can guess what happened next, Baz. It was horrible. Then she said, what they did to me that night left me with battle scars. I had so much hurt inside after what they'd done. But that was it for me, though. Enough was enough. Because that's when I knew that I had to move on. So I went into a rehab, and that's when God stepped in to help me out. You see, it's as if a bright spotlight came on, and she saw her battle scars, which motivated her to move forward. See, battle scars can motivate you to move forward. What about you and yours? Is this the time for you to say, enough is enough, so that you can move on from them? guy called Paul, he was around in Bible times. He had lots of battle scars. He'd been there. He'd won the t-shirt. He said, forget what's behind and reach forward. Listen, you need to decide to move on. Your battle scars can motivate you to move forward. Jackie's did. But are you ready to say, enough is enough? And to let God step in to help you out. That's up to you. Going back to that floodlit room in Dave the Speed Freak's flat. Reminds me of my battle scars. Battle scars prove you can stay standing. Battle scars can stop you going back to the fight. Battle scars can motivate you to move forward. And battle scars can prompt you to take a better route. One time I had an MG Mini Metro. If you're in the room, raise your hand if you remember Mini Metros. Well, mine wasn't just 
a Mini Metro. Mine was an MG Mini Metro. You should have seen it. It was lime green on the outside and bright red on the inside. It had polished alloy-wide wheels. It had a small racing-style steering wheel and a sports big-bore exhaust. I'd ripped through our estate with my windows down, blasting out tunes, turning heads. You can imagine, I looked like a cross between Smeagol and Vin Diesel in Fast and Furious. Early hours one morning, seven of us took a load of magic mushrooms and we piled into my MG Mini Metro and we set off down the road to find a rave. We were following a searchlight that we'd seen in the sky from the flats we lived in. Some of you may remember those searchlights from those original raves in the sky back in the day. Not the usual way to find a rave, I know, but hey. I got on the motorway, then after a bit, there's the rave, it's over there. So I came off, got onto this road, drives down it, it wasn't there. I got onto this other road, drives all the way down that one, still no rave there. I got onto this other road, drives all the way to the top of that road, still nothing. Three hours later, I'm still driving down, these little roads. I looked for the searchlight in the sky. It was faint. We were miles away from the rave. I said, guys, we've taken the wrong route. That journey in my MG Mini Metro mirrors my life. I'd taken the wrong route. I was on it for 15 years, and then one day, my battle scars, those on the outside, prompted me to take a better route. If you'd been there, you'd have seen how it happened. I got invited to church, so I went. People were coming up to me, they were really friendly. Oh, I'm so glad to see you here today. Why are you glad to see me here today? You don't even know me. Where's your handbag? And they started to sing songs. I'm thinking, I came in here to get away from people who were on drugs, who were banging tambourines and waving flags around. These guys are all basket cases. And the guy gets up to speak. If you want to be prayed for for anything, come to the front. How long has he got? So I went to the front and I got prayed for. And I had a light bulb moment. That's when God stepped in to help me out. I walked home to my little flat and I walked through the front door, closed the door, walked into my bedroom and I took my jacket off. And I looked at my battle scars on my arms and the backs of my hand and I felt dirty. And I lifted my arms up to the sky and I said, God, you're alive. I feel dirty. I don't want to live my life this way anymore. I want to live my life your way. See, on that day, the switch was flicked. That bright spotlight came on. Then my battle scars prompted me to take a better route. See, battle scars can prompt you to take a better route. What about your journey? Have you taken a wrong route? Whatever kind of wrong route 
that may be for you. It could be that you've not taken a wrong route, but you want to be on a better route than the one you're on now. Listen. 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 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away, God became a man. His name is Jesus. He came to this earth and he was tempted just like you, but he resisted. And at the age of 33, they nailed him to a cross. This left him with battle scars. He died on that cross to pay the price for your faults, for your flaws and for your failures. He died on that cross so that it can wipe your slate clean and so that you can take a better route. There's a proverb in the Bible that says, when you submit to God, he makes your path straight. Listen, you need to give God consent to come in so that he can step in to help you out. If God was a burglar, he'd wait for it to go dark and he'd come and he'd try and kick in the back door of your life. If he couldn't kick in the back door, he'd try and kick in the side door. If he couldn't kick in the doors, he'd try and jam you in through the windows. That's if God was a burglar. But God is not a burglar, so he will never try to break into your life because he will only ever come in through the legal entry. The legal entry to my house at home is the front door. The front door to your life is your will. And he tells us in his instruction book that he stands at the door and he knocks and he knocks and he knocks and he waits for you to open the door. He waits for you to give him consent to come in. And when you give him consent to come in, he steps in to help you out. Listen, battle scars can prompt you to take a better route. I'm going to land this now by taking us back to where we began that night when I was in my local pub in town. Barry, do you want to come back to mine to do some speed? We got to Dave's, he got changed, we went and sat in his living room. I sat on the settee, he sits on the chair. He then reached down to the side of him, he found that switch and he flicked it and that bright spotlight came on. And I'll never forget look at my, looking at my arms and the backs of my hands. Seeing all the scars that were there through injecting loads. These though now are my battle scars. And it's not just me who's got battle scars, is it? If you're in the room, please stand. No going outside for a smoke just yet. If you're able to stand, if, if not, you stay seated, that's fine. Listen up. If you're watching online, keep watching. Listen up. Right now, God is stood outside your life. He's standing and waiting for you to open the door. He's waiting for you to give him consent to come in so that he can step in to help you out. What are you going to do? I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to invite two groups of people to pray this prayer, whether you're in the room or watching online. The first group are those people. You've never prayed a prayer before. You have never given God consent to come in. It could be that you've prayed general prayers or crisis prayers. I've prayed loads of those. God, give me bail. Never got bail. Nothing wrong with crisis prayers, by the way. It could be that you've been coming here because your wife's been bringing you or the other way around. 
It could be that you're here because somebody's brought you today. It could be that you've started watching online during the whole last 18 months, two years. But you have never given God consent to come into your life. Listen, he's standing outside your door and he's knocking and he's waiting for you to open the door. So the first group of people, those people, you've never prayed a prayer before. You've never given God consent to come in. You're going to pray this prayer. And God's going to flick the switch. That light's going to come on. And the second group of people, those people, you have prayed a prayer in the past. You've got going. You've started your Christian journey. But for whatever reason, right now, you're not cutting it. You're not living how he wants you to live. Listen, the Bible says there's no condemnation for you. But I want to say to the second group, pray this prayer. Get back on track. And God will forgive and forget. And as you leave this place, you can just crack on with the rest of your Christian journey. Those are two groups. The rest of you make up the third group. If you're in the room, the third group. You're going to pray this prayer to encourage those who might be praying in the room or online for the first time or to get back on track. So are we ready? All three groups, repeat after me. Dear God, I come to you today and I admit that I'm not perfect. God, I ask that you forgive me for my faults, for my flaws, and for my failures. God, I ask that you wipe my slate clean because right now I'm opening my door and I'm giving you consent to come in. Step into my life. And help me out. While the heads are bowed like this, no looking around. If you've prayed that prayer and you're in the room, can you raise your hand? Are you part of the first group or the second group so I can see it? Put your hands up so I can see it. If you're part of the first group, we've got one, two, three, four. Four people raise their hands. There might be more. Put your hands down. Thank you. Four people. There might be more. I'm going to count down five seconds to give the rest of you five extra seconds. I want to say this. Park your pride outside. It's four people, raise your hands. You don't need to raise them again. As I count down five seconds, the rest of you, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time or to get back on track, if you're in the room, anybody else, five, raise your hand so I can see it. Another one at the back, anybody else? Four, another one, got you here, another two. Anybody else prayed that prayer? You've not raised your hand, raise it so I can see it. Five, four, three, anybody else? Two, another one here, another three. Anybody else? One. Anybody else? Seven people all together. Seven people all together. If you're watching online and you've prayed that prayer and you're part of the first group or the second group, just say, whether you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, whatever way you're watching, just put, I prayed. A comment, I prayed. And someone will be in contact with you to let you know what you need to do next. So, seven people in the room, I'm going to count to three on the point of three. You're going to leave your seats. And you're going to walk through that door. Why do we ask you to do this? Well, we have brought some stuff with us. Hey, we, my charity, has, has provided some stuff we want to give to you. Uh, a, a, a DVD, a book, and some other stuff. The church wants to chat with you for a minute. So if you pray, you pray. Your first group or the second group. We're going to count to three. Leave your seats. One, two, three. If you can go through that door, one, two, three, as quickly as you can. Some of them are already gone. But anyway, anybody else? You raise your hand, go through that door. Let's give them a round of applause as one or two of them are coming down. Keep coming down. Keep coming down. Keep coming down. Keep coming down. There's one or two of you not come to the, come down, that's fine, but I'm sure during this next song you feel prompted, you can go through that door and someone will chat with you and they'll give you the DVD and the book and just, uh, okay, let you know what you need to do next. Thank you.